Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Well, we try to suck so you don't have to, but the White Sox are out of reach, and apparently so are the depraved and inept Chicago Blackhawks. Welcome in, welcome back. We are going to go to score hotline guests join us on the score hotline it's presented by circus circa resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book and a man i admire i'm i'm proud to call a friend someone who's done terrific work here at the score everywhere he's gone he is now the blackhawks beat lead and podcast host of chgo underscore blackhawks at chgo underscore sports and of course, one of the co-founders of the legendary I'm Fat Pod, he's Jay Zawoski. Jay, thanks for coming on today. Great to talk to you again. It's great to hear from you, Steve. It's been it's been too long. Thanks for having me on. It it has been. You've just been such a whirlwind of career moves that nobody can <laughs> keep up. You're like you're like Eddie Olchick getting traded. You've got a jersey for every place you worked for recently, and uh, it's just I'm glad we nailed you down. I want to commend you on I love the idea. I love what you're doing. The Blackhawks if you're a Blackhawks fan, although I know that's so impossible to be now, but if you want to know what's going on with that organization, CHGO Chicago, the CHGO Blackhawks team is going to give it to you. You should probably and they'll give it to the Blackhawks. So the latest piece of ineptitude is letting the most the guy with the most credibility in that organization leave. At least that's the way I look at it. Give me your take on Eddie Olchek being a Seattle Kraken uh, member right now. Yeah, I see. The way I sort of looked at it was you're going to hear angles from both sides, right? The Hawks have their story. Eddie Olchek and his party have their stories, and they're going to stick to them, which they should, because I think there can be you know multiple truths at the same time, and I think whenever you see something like this happen, the initial reaction is to be like, what the hell is going on? And the Hawks are inept and stupid, which may be true. Um, but whatever, whatever it was, I, my takeaway is the Blackhawks should not have let Eddie Olchek leave the building 
without some sort of agreement in place. And once he came to them and said, I'm leaving, you know, Rocky words, Danny words, Jamie Faulkner should have said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Clearly we had a different impression about how these conversations had been going. Let's work this out. What is it going to take to have you be the voice of the Blackhawks for the next five years, 10 years, whatever it needed to be. And from all reports, uh, Eddie had a five-year offer, but it wasn't guaranteed. And, you know, with the uncertainty around NBC Sports Chicago um, and, and what could happen to the Blackhawks broadcast beyond this season and next, uh, I think Eddie wanted that security. And if anyone has earned it, it's Eddie Olchek. I mean, look, you need to put a positive face and a positive spin on what's about to be a few years of really bad hockey. And look, I have no problem with what they're doing on the ice. This is well overdue. The rebuild is well overdue. And they're doing it fully. They're doing it the right way. But it would have been nice to have Eddie Olchek on the broadcast every night saying, look, we know the Hawks are losing this game, you know, four to one, five to two, but there were positive signs. Lucas Reichel did this. You know, you, you saw a young defenseman make this play. You're seeing minute increases for young, you know, to, to keep people on track and not just living with the, not just, you know, dying with every loss. Cause there's going to be a lot of them. Now you don't have that. You've got a new broadcaster and Chris Bossers who's replacing a legend who was already up against it. He's in a no win situation and him having Eddie's support. Uh, and frankly, his coaching during games would have helped him. It's just a complete disaster all the way around. And Eddie was the one guy that could have really helped navigate the PR element of this rebuild on the ice. And now he's gone and now someone's going to have to come in and replace him and they'll be up against it. So you're going to have a broadcast booth that is at best met with a side eye from most Hawks fans, which is unfair because Chris Foster did a good job and I'm sure whoever they're going to hire in Eddie's place is going to do a fine job, but, but fans are pissed and rightfully so. My guess is Jay Zawoski. That's a familiar voice to score fans. He's the Blackhawks beat lead and podcast host of CHGO underscore Blackhawks. And you can find them at CHGO underscore sports. The point is, I see so much repetition. I thought we were past the DNA of Bill Wirtz. I thought Rocky was going to be different. And, and the fact that Bill Wirtz wants told Mike Keenan all of his businesses have to make a profit, not just the all of Wirtz Corporation, which is why the Blackhawks, it, the one thing Bill Wirtz didn't want is to do what the, is to have the Illich family, what, what the Illich family did for Mike Illich and overspend in right. one of those businesses being hockey and win a Stanley Cup. No, 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 Bill Wirtz didn't want that. Rocky came in, lost a lot of money, apparently, and the Blackhawks won cups. We didn't know it was that this under such depraved circumstances, but they did. And I thought it was going to be different. Under Bill Wirtz, Pat Foley, a Hall of Fame broadcaster, was run out because of cheapness. They didn't want to pay for it. Not realizing that your announcers are your branding. They are the voice of winter. They are your hood ornaments. They are your credibility, especially guys like that. Because Pat, Pat Foley was in a home where he would let you know when he was unhappy. Ask Alexander Karpatsev. And then mm -hmm. you do this again when... Pat Foley leaves, and now his partner is run out, and Rocky's doing what his dad did, seemingly over a kind of money or an, an ignorance of what branding is. I just see so much of this repetition I thought we were past. Do you see it this way, or do you just do you know more about Danny Worse and Jamie Faulkner than I'm letting on at this moment? 
Uh, okay, there's a lot there. So I think the term you just used, ignorance of branding, is something that I want to put a pin in and get back to you, okay? Because I do think that's a bigger part of it than the money. What evidence do we have that Rocky works is cheap, right? He has spent up to and beyond the cap every year since he's been in charge. Every player that's ever been, that's ever accomplished anything in this town um, has been paid accordingly, maybe paid more than what they're willing to. They have paid for the top free agents. They have upgraded the United Center. Um, on and on and on, Rocky Wirtz has spent money. So I don't think all of a sudden to say, because they're doing a rebuild, which again, there are many, many hockey reasons to do a rebuild. And because they didn't bring Eddie Olchek back, I, I don't think it's about money. And Eddie Olchek pretty much went out and said it's not about money. Because um, I, I do know for a fact that even though there was a reduction in his overall salary from the Hawks because they were paying him on a game-by-game -game basis and not an 82-game basis salary, he would have still been the highest-paid broadcaster in hockey, um, all told. So I don't think it was about money. Um, I do think that – look, I think that Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz are the two that are running the day-to-day -day operations. I think Rocky is sort of there as the final blessing guy. And, and, and from what I understand, Rocky has been – for the most part, pretty hands-off and letting them run the show. I think on the business side, there's this obsession with let's make this thing young. Let's get new young fans. Let's put young, fresh faces in the studio like Colby Cohen and Kaylee Chelios and Chris Fosters, all of which do a really good job. I like I That's fine. Like I have no problem with any of them. I do when I see that they don't want to go beyond, you know, however many years it was guaranteed. I, I think it was two guaranteed. I don't know this for sure, so don't quote me. But whatever the guarantee term was, to not want to go beyond that with Eddie Olchek makes me feel like they want to go young there too. And they didn't want to make the full commitment to five years. And, and, I, and, I, and I know, you know, I know some Hawks brass listens to the podcast, the CHGO Blackhawks podcast, and I know – some listen to the score here, and I, and I want to get this message across as clearly as I can to them if they're listening. The, the idea of going young makes sense overall, right? You want young minds in the front office giving you new ideas and new thoughts and new ways of doing things, fine. But there's no problem with keeping those links to the past that remind people about the history of the organization. That's not a bad thing. And the day it happened, I was in a Twitter spaces with, with chief um, and listening to fans, you know, calling and complain. And they're saying, I'm 19 years old and I grew up with Eddie Olchek. I don't want anybody else. That's a 19 year old kid, right? Like there's not this, there's not this audience out there that's listening to Hawks games and going, Oh, these guys sound so old. I'm turning this off. Like, was there a generation of Dodgers fans that just would not listen to Vin Scully? <laughs> he was old. You know what I mean? Like it's the most ridiculous. It's like the most ridiculous. Like I get it. You want to be active on social media and in the community, and you want to be visible on TikTok and stuff. But it doesn't have to be top to bottom. You don't have to top to bottom your organization that way. Eddie Olchek is a, is a link to the past of the franchise in terms of players, in terms of play styles. He can compare. When I played, it was this way. These days, it's this way. Now you're going to have all these, and we don't know who's going to replace Eddie. Who knows? Maybe it will be someone great. I don't know. But I think this obsession to go young has become just that, an obsession. And I, I mentioned the Hawks should hire someone to be their vice president of what the hell are we thinking? 
to just sit in a meeting and oversee the conversations. And then they're like, wait, 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 hold on. I'm going to raise my hand here as the VP of what the hell are we doing here? Um, we're not really considering not bringing Eddie Olchek back, right? Like, that's not something we're honestly talking about right now. And then people in the room will go, oh, yeah, right, right. Just snap out of it. Like, yeah, what were we thinking? That was silly. Like, we got we got carried away in our conversation. The Hawks, have, the Hawks have needed someone in that position forever. Like, wait, wait, wait. We're really not thinking about not televising our home games, right? Like, wait, wait. We're not really thinking about trading Chris Chelios to the Red Wings, are we? We're not really thinking about trading Jeremy Roenick, are we? We're not really thinking about trading Tavo Teravine and to get rid of Brian Bickle, are we? Like, on and on and on. There just needs to be that person in the room to say, hold on, what are we doing here? Um, and this is, a, this is a great example because, I don't know, chalk it up to a miscommunication or uh, maybe a little bit of arrogance from the Blackhawks just assuming that Eddie would, would just kind of bend over and take whatever they wanted to give him. Uh, and, and good for Eddie for sticking to his guns and saying, like, what you are giving me is not good enough, and that's it, I'm leaving. Like, I think we all know Eddie wanted would, – would have liked some kind of role in management. That's something that he's not been shy about. He's talked about that forever. Um, you know, maybe he wanted a bigger role for Nick, right? And the Hawks couldn't give it to him. Fine. But yeah. you find a way to make these things work, and I do think if they – at the end of the day, if Eddie had all these wishes on the table – if they had just said, Eddie, we're going to give you the five years, I think he would have taken it. And if, if, that, if, if, if that was the difference between Eddie Olchek staying and leaving was five guaranteed years on the broadcast, that is an epic failure on the part of the Blackhawks to just say, no, we couldn't possibly do that. But he's the guy right now where you're saving all this money on salary, you're saving all this money on whatever. Eddie, be the, help us out. Like, help us get through this rebuild Help us sell this thing. And you know what? He's going to do it. And even if he doesn't really maybe necessarily agree with what they're doing on the ice, and I, but for the record, I think he does, he would, he would at least do the right thing for the team and put a positive face on it publicly and, 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 and try to sell what they're doing to the fans. And, and now whoever replaces him, and I saw Chris Chelios was on with Molly and Hall the other day um, saying that he'd be interested if they asked, and, and that's fine, but is, is he too old? Oh my God! We couldn't possibly, possibly put this this ancient, this ancient, the crypt keeper of Chris Chelios in the broadcast. Like, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. Come on! Like, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if my CHGO contract prohibits me from being the VP of what the hell are we doing here? But I'm available. Uh, reach out. Uh, my people will talk to your people, and we can make it happen because it's just, it's just so avoidable. That's what's so frustrating. I, I love that, Jay. I love my guest is Jay Zawoski, Blackhawks beat lead and podcast host at CHGO Blackhawks. I love that. The I can't figure out if that's better fit for office space or billions. One of those two <laughs> places would have a, the hell are we doing here, VP? And that's so necessary. But when people did speak up, I know there were people, you're, you're just not going to, you weren't going to change his, I mean, his sons were afraid to speak up to Bill Wirtz about, you talked about television and that 19 year old that really, I hadn't thought about it in that way. And again, this just adds to the pile of, of mess the Blackhawks have made for themselves. That 19 year old you heard from in the Twitter spaces, Eddie Olchek was on the air calling all of the Blackhawks Stanley cups because of his national mm -hmm. job. He was yep. on the air calling all of it. Ellie, Eddie was 
branding your team nationally as well as locally. And again, I don't under I don't understand if you have a veteran broadcast team and your your ringside reporter, Kaylee Chelios, would be perfect because she knows the sport. She certainly has name brand value. And if you're looking for whatever they think going young brings, whether it's the social media, that kind of activity, she's perfect for that. She's got a great face. She's got the, the credibility because of what she knows and what she's done for several different teams now. And yep. she would be most facile at something like that. There's your, and I'm not even talking between periods. I'm saying, put her between the glass. Put her down there. Put her in the booth next to whoever yeah. the, you know, whatever. Run a three-person booth. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But you need the credibility when you're running out your most trusted guy. You're getting him out of the building. I just don't understand. You do need a what the hell are we thinking, vice president? <laughs> the vice president. What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. That's just yeah, it's... so good, Jay. But the idea of a 19-year-old saying, "Hey, I love Daddy Olchuk," that's that stunned me when you said that. I mean, but let's think about this. Like, we, we have been blessed in Chicago with legendary broadcasters uh, throughout my entire life, right? I'm 44. You're much, much, much older than me. Um, Harry Carey, Jimmy Pearsall, Hawk Harrelson, Steve Stone. Like, is anyone is anyone rushing Steve? Steve Stone's a great example. Like, you've got Jason Benetti with him as the young play-by-play man who has earned it, who is great, who is already among the best in the business. And you've got the absolute legend, former player, very accomplished, high, highly respected, best analyst in the sport at his side. And nobody says the White Sox broadcast sounds old or needs to be younged up. No, 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 no. When you, you've got it right in front of you and you just let it, it is, it is so baffling. And what, it's been almost a week now. And I'm still so dumbfounded by this that they couldn't, a guy who wanted to be there, he's done multiple interviews since this happened, and he's gotten tearful in every one of them. Eddie wanted to be here. He wanted to stay here. He wanted to make it work. And I can't, I can't I'm trying to, like, paint the scene of Faulkner and the two Wurtzes in an office with him and just saying, like, yeah, we can't do that for you. What would that be? What is the thing they can't do for him? Right? And, I, and I've, I I've had it suggested to me that know. I've had it suggested to me that he wanted a and I don't I can't verify if this is true but I've heard it from several people that he wanted a full time role for Nick Nick Olchek. Fine, fine. He's already he, Nick Olchek's done a terrific job when he filled in for Eddie when he filled in for Troy Murray, uh, who by the way by the, thank God uh, looks like Troy's me back for all eighty two games next year and traveling, which is great because he's been going through an absolute battle. But find something for Nick to do. Put him in the studio. Put him between the glass on games where Eddie has to go do the TNT broadcast. Put Nick in there. It, like whatever the holdup was, it can't have been such. Like, it couldn't have been unovercomeable. <laughs> that's not a word. Wow, that's that's good. I think the vice president. <laughs> yeah. What the hell are we doing here? Would say, yeah. what the hell are you saying? <laughs> well, yeah, you know what I mean. Whatever, whatever, the, whatever the whatever the holdup was, whatever the the major snag was, you can't tell me the Hawks couldn't have said, okay, you know what, um, we have found enough money in our liquor empire to give you what you need. We have created a position for your son, or we're going to give you a little bit of input in hockey ops, or whatever. 
whatever whatever it needed to be, why would you not give it? Whatever he's asking for, he's qualified for, right? If Eddie says, hey, I'd like to have a little bit of input uh, in with, with Kyle Davidson and, and his crew, all right, let's talk to Kyle. Let's find something for you. Work together to get it done. And I still have, like, this fantasy of, like, so, like somebody wakes up and says, wait, let's, let's just try one more time. Can we just call him and try to make it work one more time? Because I haven't seen anything official with the Kraken yet. There's not been any official, like, news releases put out or anything that I've seen about Eddie going there. And he was a little bit vague about it with um, when he was out with Molly and Haw this week, saying, oh, you know, I, I know the, the good uh, the good racetracks out there, but I can't really say anything else about it right now. That's still fluid. I just – someone needs to wake up and, and figure this thing out. It's just – it's really frustrating. And – Look, if it's likely not going to happen, he's not going to be back, and um, I just I hope that Hawks fans will not hold whoever replaces Eddie accountable. And um, you know, like Colby Cohen was on with us at CHGO and said that he was getting death threats. Like, what, oh my Colby god, Cohen, like the guy who no, that's is between wrong. the glass that's... and the studio, like, like what are we doing here, like? And he didn't replace no. anybody. <laughs> He's just, no, I, I he didn't. He was just I, I Colby Cohen I mean, sitting idly. Oh, ooh, oh, that's just yeah, okay. I, I, it, I, yeah, I think it was a great point it's that gross. we have. It's a, a great point that we haven't seen anything official from the Kraken, and it still could happen. And you know the way Rocky became a hero upon his dad's passing, and the way he <laughs> took over the team by putting the games on television. First thing he did, he hired John McDonough, yep. pre-depraved, and Things changed. Well, as far as they we know. Became, yes, right. But but I'm but I'm saying that the I know you're saying yes. <laughs> the, the Danny Wirt right, but the Danny Wirtz era, if there is going to be such a thing, this is where he becomes a hero. This is where the son can exceed what the father's done. I mean, Rocky is stained with with the the Kyle Beach depravity. If Danny Wirtz comes back and says, I worked it out with Eddie Olchek. I wanted him. We wanted him. He's coming back. Then I think Danny Wirtz becomes a hero. He gains credibility. The Hawks themselves gain the kind of credibility they desperately saw walk out the door, presumably, to Seattle. Is he that kind of guy? Do you know enough about him? Would would there be that plan? The question is, can he overrule his father? Um and we saw or talk that him into it. Really, or talk him into it. He doesn't have to rule him into, him, into talk him into it. Dad, look, yeah. look at the fallout, Dad. Well, we, we saw that. We saw the stiff arm at the town hall when they, when yeah. um, Danny Works was about to address the Kyle Beach situation, and his father shouted him down uh, twice to the point where Danny had to basically get in touch with all the other media outlets and then say what he wanted to say. I don't know if he locked his office door or what. Um, look, overall, I'm very pleased with what Danny has done. I think he's he's done a good job, but he's just in a bad situation where the GM before Kyle Davidson, who I, I don't we don't even say his name anymore on CHGO Blackhawks. We have a swear jar. If you say the name of the former GM, you have to put a dollar in there. Um, <laughs> uh, Kyle Davidson has to clean up that mess and has to get out from underneath the horrible contract signed and the uh, the bad free agent moves and the overpayments and the and the. Um, you know, I, I really like Seth Jones. I think Seth Jones is an awesome hockey player, but you gave up probably uh, uh, one too many picks and paid him a million dollars too much, and that is 
such a typical, uh, I'll say his name, I'll put a dollar in a jar, Stan Bowman move, um, because it, what you give, here, here is more money than you're worth, and here's a no-movement clause, uh, and here I'm going to trade an extra, an extra first-round pick to get you. You know, like it's just the classic, and, that, and that's why his mismanagement, which really started, I think, when he gave Fred Seabrook that extension, which mm-hmm. the entire hockey world looked at that and said, what are you doing? Why it's kind of like the Chris Letang one this summer from the Penguins. Like, what makes you think that guy has that much good hockey left in him? And a year into that contract with Seabrook, they're like, well, we need to find a way to get out from this contract because he's bad and old and slow, which is what happens when you're 35 years old and you've given every piece of your body to the Blackhawks organization, right? Like that guy, Brent Seabrook's decline is totally natural and on par with what should have happened for what he's been through and the games he's played and the minutes he's played and all those sort of things. But, a competent GM doesn't go and give that guy a contract when his decline is already underway. So having to clean up from all that mess is, is tough. But anyway, to answer your question, yes, if Danny Wirtz were to make that happen, then yeah, he would be your hero. I just, I feel like that ship has sailed. I like, I don't want to get on this call and, and try to give Hawks fans false hope that like, you know, he's going to ride in on his white horse with a contract for any old check. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it's just, the thing is so incredibly frustrating. And look, the draft and everything and free agency, you know, the Debrinka trade was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow. And yeah, you, you probably would have liked to get a prospect back in that return. But then you got a first round pick plus for Kirby Doc. And you saw what they were doing at the draft. The free agent signings made sense in that they're going to fill out roster spots till the kids are ready. Then you flip those guys for more assets at the deadline. Like that was all sound. And I think people were kind of coming around to the rebuild. And then this happens. It's like, what? Come on, get out of your own way. You know, like you had like finally the, the, the tide had turned a little bit and people are like, okay, I don't like it, but I see what they're doing. I understand it. Like clearly there's a plan on the ice to get this team back to winning someday. And then they do this and then it's really hard. And I get this. It's hard for Hawks fans to compartmentalize all the moves, right? Like, you, you fired Olchek and you traded to Brinkett. Like those are, un, they're unrelated. Different people are making those decisions, right? But it's, it's for Hawks fans, it's death by a thousand cuts. Last year, they're put through the ringer as fans through this whole Kyle Beach thing. Then that sting, you know, Sam Bowman is fired. Al McIsaac is gone. All those people leave. And the organization is back on track, it seems. Then the town hall happens. And the town hall is off to a tremendous start. Danny and Jamie are everybody saying the right things and everybody's positive, like very impressive. Then the obvious question comes from Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson and Rocky Wirtz shows a side of him that we've never seen before screaming and berating a media member for daring to ask about a sexual assault that happened on his watch. Like, and then, okay, fine. So damage control there, right? Then the trade deadline comes, they trade Brandon Hagel. Oh, a player everybody really liked that was young that you thought you can get on board with, but they get first round picks back. Okay, great. That starts to make a little bit of sense. And every time the tides start to turn in the Hawks favor, they do something to completely hit the reset button on it. And it's just, it's so aggravating. And I understand how Hawks fans are aggravated. I don't blame them. I'm aggravated too. Um, and, And not just because I would really prefer to hear Eddie on the broadcast, but I just think about, new guys coming into that role now 
Vosters and whoever they have to create to replace Eddie O. They're just going to be up against it with an angry fan base who's going to be watching losing every night. And how did someone in that room of leadership not say, wait a minute, we've got to really up against us for the next few years. We've got to have Eddie here. We've got to find a way to keep him around. Like whatever it takes, we'll make it happen. If we have to sit and negotiate a nickel and dime in terms of like actual money, but what else he gets to do or who gets to come along or whatever it might be, let's just do it. Let's all work it out together. Everybody wants Eddie here, including Eddie. Let's find a way. And they did it. And that's like what you were saying, Steve, that is like the Bill Wurtzian part of it, you know, where you would see, um, like you just knew Jeremy Roenick's last game was his last game and it shouldn't have been right. And on and on and on, it just goes on and on with, with things like that. And, and hopefully uh, this is just a one or two year uh, glitch for Rocky, but it's been tough. And, and this whole thing with, uh, with Eddie O is, I, I think for a lot of Hawks fans, like at least until they start to win again, because fans will come back if they start to win again. But I think this is kind of like the final good faith nail in the coffin um, and I think there's a lot of people that are just like, whatever, maybe I'll come back later. I'm not going to invest my time or energy in this team anymore. And it's understandable. Yeah, well, there's more that we could do. Hopefully, the more we will do. Good luck on this, Jay. Thank you very much for taking time and coming on. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. All right. Jay Zawoski, Blackhawks beat lead and podcast host, CHGO Blackhawks. And we went a little long, but Jay's worth it. We are going to replay Eddie O in about an hour on the score. He did an interview with Mullian Haw on Wednesday of the score's 30th anniversary broadcast. We'll bring that entire interview to you, emotional, informative, what we've been talking about now. Take a break. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Attention, fellow Saturday Suckageers. Mark Grody is coming up next, but in the meantime, giving away some more tickets. We have a set, another set, four tickets to see Athletes Unlimited bring their innovative brand of professional softball back to Parkway Bank Sports Complex. That's in Rosemont. The date is Friday, July 29th. Don't miss your chance to see the best in the sport. From now through August 29th, get your tickets today at AUProSports.com. Be the sixth caller to the scores contest line. 312-540-0670. Mark Rohde's next on Saturday. Suckage like it ought to be. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Dang right. Now it's Saturday Suckage like it ought to be. We're going to the guest line. The Score's hotline is presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Welcome back co-founder of Saturday Suckage and the Wake and Bake Club. He is Mark Grody. Mark, hi. Stevie Sunshine. What's up, man? How's the solo show lifestyle? Well, it's a whole lot of talking. That's what I know. So yeah. I book guests like you. I wanted you last week because it was Harrison Ford's 80th birthday. I know. That would have been man. a good thing. That yeah. That would a good thing. It's sort of devastating to me that that he's turned that he turned eighty. <laughs> As it is with all actors that I like, when they start to get old, actors, actresses, whomever, just celebrities that I like, it's like, oh no, that's like we're talking about the the end here, and he's slowing down. It's like he's gone from you switch the samples to 
you switch the samples, kid, so you can make Provasic. <laughs> Unlock me, will yeah, you? I don't know why it turned into an old Jewish man, but it did. I, I don't know uh, what happened. Well, there. you know, it's it's fitting. Indiana Jones in the Temple of Depends, and that's where we're <laughs> heading with this whole thing. What's your name again? Short round. <laughs> that's right. I could, could use. I could you use falsified a, uh, your could... research, kid. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Pastrami like on it. a short round. Yeah, pastrami <laughs> on a short round. Give me one of them. How I dare you, up. sir? So the Bears are welcoming rookies to Rookie Reporting Day. Give us the schedule for now and what's going to go on and, and how it it bleeds into next week when they hits for real. Hustle, intensity, this and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, the rookies have reported we don't get to watch what is going down there at House Hall. We can only sit here and helplessly report that they have reported. <laughs> and then on Tuesday, it's the all-skate. That is when we are all allowed to be at Hallis Hall for the second straight year where, again, I, I am – we'll see how many times I say bourbon A this year. There was a lot last year, but this will be the second full year – in Lake Forest, where things will probably be a little bit different in terms of probably be bigger crowds in in Lake Forest this year. I have heard that they will, one of the big things that they will start to allow again as far as fans going to Lake Forest is you will again be allowed to get autographs from the players, which I know is a big deal for a lot of folks. But as far as the football is concerned, yeah, we, we report on Tuesday, and that is the day that we will there will be more hearing from the administration than there will be from the players that day is what I am presuming that we will hear from the general manager Ryan Poles and we will hear from Matt Eberflus. I'm not sure if we're going to get to hear from some players that day as well, but Tuesday actually will be a big day because as we know, as a precedent somewhere along the line was set with general managers that we only get to talk to them so often. So so Tuesday, right off the bat, lights, camera, action. We will talk to Ryan Poles and start to get an idea of what he will and what he will not answer and see how he sees the roster breaking down, all the questions that we've been asking out loud and to the fans and to each other. We will ask to Ryan Poles, including offensive line and Justin Fields and wide receivers and all of those questions that we have been pondering uh, on our own. We get to ask Poles on Tuesday. We're gonna are we gonna hear a question about why did why Ryan Poles keep signing guys who become criminals? I think why that that would be a fair law, why question. Why they keep getting arrested? I, I don't know if it'll be worded exactly like that, Stevie Sunshine, <laughs> but I do think it's a fair question. I think it's an absolutely fair question to ask what's going on here. What uh, what it, you know? Go through each case and update us on each of the cases if need be. And, uh, yeah, yeah, what is happening? And, you know, luckily for the Bears, I suppose, and perhaps Bears fans, it hasn't been a, you know, massive name that has been, you know, charged with something or been arrested. Let's just leave it at that. But it, it is worth asking for sure what in the heck is going on. A, I remember when it happened with the, the first of the many arrests that Ryan Poles is, is he's as he round corners the market on criminal element, somebody said the hits principle stands for he's in the slammer. Oh, <laughs> the textures, one of the textures. And I, that, that's really good. I wish I, the highest compliment I could pay is I, it's good enough to steal, but no, there's no doubt. They, no doubt. Yep. And, and so the, 
I don't think we've talked. I've gotten your thoughts on Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver the Bears acquired from the Patriots. And the Patriots, for all that they've done and all that is great, they suck with wide receivers. They're just awful at drafting and developing. That in in the long for everything Bill Belichick does well, he sucks at that. So it's perfect for the Bears to trade with a team that suck and, and the one thing that they suck at. What are your what's your take on the new Bears receiver? It's funny. I tuned into a little bit of Boston Sports Radio right around the time Ooh. that Nikhil Harry was traded to the Bears, and they are treating it as of course, as they should, he's a bust. And they were questioning Bill Belichick. And, you know, the day I was with they went so far as to say, you know, this is not good for Bill Belichick's resume. And we don't think he's going to be fired. But, you know, this is, you know, this is symbolic of some bad moves. So they look at him as a bust there. The Bears are looking at, at him as a flyer, I think, as a potential reclamation project, a last-minute, can we get this first-round pick, albeit late in the first round, can we reclaim his career? Can we get out mm-hmm. of him what Bill Belichick saw in him when he drafted him? And many scouts probably had a first or second-round grade on him. So I don't think that he that Nikhil Harry is coming to the Bears to depend it on to be to fill a large role with the Bears, but if he does, that'd be great. So it's it's your classic, and this is what teams do in in any sport in rebuilds. You can afford to do things like that, where you can kind of take chances on guys. Like it's a perfect move in that, yeah, he's got the pedigree, but he has not shown it on the field. So and this, there's going to be all sorts of opportunities on this Bears team for guys to make a team that maybe in the past that they would have no part in making and they just kind of be moving around practice squad to practice squad. But that is the quote unquote air quotes luxury. The bears are set up for players this year in a year where not much is expected of them. And they could kind of play around and take chances. Like, and I don't even know. I'm like, I keep saying, take a chance on the kill Harry. That's, that's not exactly I wouldn't call this a bold move. I don't mind the move, but it's not like a bold move. It is a classic, can we be the team to reclaim this guy's career? Anthony Heron, I had him on last week, and he likes the the physical size. He likes the yak ability. He likes the red zone possibilities for a guy that big, and particularly his blocking ability. And it seemed to underscore that, unlike the last regime, this regime understands the need the value, the necessity to run the ball to the point that the wide receivers better be able to block because it's going to be all hands available demanded of them. I don't know if you drew that conclusion as well from the the Nikhil Harry acquisition. I don't know that I drew it necessarily from the Nikhil Harry signing, but I I drew Uh – the idea that they're going to run the football I think is accurate based on – one of the the early narratives and a continuing narrative, and that is that there's just not a lot of let's just say guaranteed wide receiver weapons for the Bears right now. There, there, we've been over this a thousand times. There's one. It's Darnell Mooney. <laughs> until further notice, you can't. And 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 I have I have hope for Byron Pringle 
And I have hope for Nikhil Harry and for Equinemius St. Brown and some of these other guys just trying to, to make the team that Isaiah Coulter and Chris Finke and some of these guys. But you can't – there's no way you can be a logical football fan and say, oh, yeah, Justin Fields has great wide receiver weapons. Now, if Justin Fields takes the next step and maybe Byron Pringle, now that he's his own man here, and maybe this, you could say the same thing for Nikhil Harry, he's out of the, the clutches of New England and being you know backed up by Bill Belichick, and he did spend time, obviously, with Tom Brady there too. Who knows how that affected Nikhil Harry's career, that maybe you can get next level out of some of these guys. But there's no way that you could look at this logically and say, oh, yeah, this is he's got a bunch of breakout weapons. And so that brings us back to the running game. And it would, again, I'll use the word again, it would seem very logical that running the football would be the most important thing until further notice, until we know that it's a, that the offensive line is configured and it is solid and you could depend on it until there are more weapons for Justin Fields, until Justin Fields takes that next step up after a wobbly year last year, you kind of have to acquiesce to the running game. And it, it doesn't sound particularly exciting when you think about it, but until, like I said, until further notice, until there are dynamic players, until everything, everybody's comfortable and set, then you, you best be conservative. I hate saying that, but I think we are going to see a conservative offense from the Bears at least early on. So to that end, the, the, one, the only way we're going to know what that offensive line is all about and the running game is all about is when they're allowed to play in anger. Do you do you have a heads up? Do you know, have the Bears told you, given you a calendar of which days will be full pads? No. That's really I, when you're going to see something. Yeah, I don't know when that will occur. Usually it occurs second or third week, but I, I, they have not given us, and, and may, maybe they haven't. I haven't looked through all of the the you know read the fine print on the exact days that they'll go full pads typically we that's a question that we have to ask the coaches and then they will they will decide and sometimes it is subject to change as well sometimes they'll do a couple days in a row of pads but you're right to to your point it is impossible with especially with offensive line to do any kind of amateur or professional scouting <laughs> as we do yeah. as reporters, however you want to characterize us. Are we amateurs or are we professional? We have a, I, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm looking at, but I don't have a pretty good idea of what I'm looking at when they don't have pads on. To me, when, when we reported what we did during the OTAs and mini camps, what, what you, all we got was an idea of what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and anybody else associated with Luke Getze, we got an idea of what they might be thinking. It's like, okay, they might be thinking, which rookies do they value? Well, it, it, we got a little taste of Braxton Jones, obviously. And so, okay, that's interesting. I don't know if he's good. I couldn't tell when they didn't have pads on. But at least you get an idea of what they are thinking, that Braxton Jones might be somebody they want to advance. When there was a day when Cody Whitehair wasn't there in practice for personal reasons, good personal reasons, they put Zach Thomas in, the, the sixth-round pick mm -hmm. out of San Diego State. So it, it wasn't like, okay, that's what's going to happen. But it kind of gives you an idea of what they might be thinking. And, of course, Ryan Poles and probably Matt Eberflus are thinking – 
God, would it be nice if we could get some of the guys that we drafted in real roles with this team? So I understand the thought process. I think it's too soon to consider the idea that Braxton Jones would be a starter from you know game one when the San Francisco 49ers are here on September 11th. I think that's unrealistic, but it does give you an idea of what they might be thinking in the back of their heads for the future of this team and maybe sometime this season. Speaking of the running game and the value of the, the if you can't, if your offensive line is going to be questionable, then Justin Fields' best friend after his feet or after the running game and then his legs will be Cole Komet. And his ability to block, how far does he have to go to become that kind of quality blocker? And where in training camp or do we have to wait for games will you see his value and his relationship with with Justin Fields during a play. I think he's improving as a blocker and he does seem to be a willing participant. I mean, all tight ends are going to tell you if you ask a tight end, wait, well, hey, what part of the game do you want to improve on? Almost a hundred percent is blocking. And sometimes they're being earnest. Sometimes they're not. I think Cole Komet wants to be a complete player. Um, I, I don't think that this is one of those con artist things that sometimes players will do because it sounds good to say watching him like Cole Komet is a very physical player. He likes to engage. You see him when he catches the football, sometimes to his detriment, he doesn't go down. It's like eventually, dude, go down. You're going to get hurt. Oh, another hit. Oh, go down, dude, go down. So that's that's the Cole Komet lifestyle. He he likes the physical aspect of the game, and there were moments where he made very solid blocks that we could look at the telestrator and say, oh, the, like, there was Cole Komet. Still got to get better, but I do think that, that that is something that will continue to evolve. Like I don't think he's – I think he's a decent blocker right now, and I think he can still get better, but I don't look at him and say, oh, this guy's whiffing on everybody. Here's the thing, though, for Cole Komet. Here's the biggest thing. Touchdowns, my friend. Like, he had – zero touchdowns last year and the numbers weren't bad i you know if you look at his numbers i think five between five and six hundred yards uh worth of footballs last year which considering the fact that the you know how, how bad the bears offense was yeah he snuck in some yards last year and there is no you know jimmy graham around he is absolutely there's nobody that is competing for his job this year. He's the one guy, I think, from the previous regime that they look at and say, yeah, that that's going to be our guy, that, that he is our tight end, and we're okay with him being from that regime, and we like Cole Komet, but he has got to figure out there has to be a better connection between Justin Fields and Cole Komet when they get into the red zone and into the end zone because a guy with that kind of size and just the position itself – you got to get some touchdowns. So I think that's the, you know, blocking, of course, important. Those plays, safety valve up the middle, that's important. But getting in the end zone, I think, is number one with a bullet this year for Colt Komet. Well, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm glad somebody should tell him that. It's like Johnny Cueto telling the, the White Sox to hit more home runs when they were out in Anaheim. So I yeah. think that's a really good. Sounds like a great really idea. a good thing, Mark. Yeah. yeah, now you know you right into Jim Hendry. There was, yeah, there was, <laughs> <laughs> there was. Mark, yeah. thanks for thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Bye, Steve. See you, man. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Mark Grody covers the Bears for the Score. Rookies reported today. The veterans report Tuesday. I don't know when they're going to hit. That's the first day that really matters, I think, because you have questions about the offensive line and running game and what if they're allowed. 
how close they can get to the quarterback and how close the quarterback can get to the end zone. So the first time they can hit in anger, that's the day you want to circle, you want to listen for, you want to listen to the Mark Grody's reports on the score. Take a break. We come back and talk some Cubs. They destroyed the Phillies last night, 15-2. to So now I think they are the favorites, the Cubs are, to win the Stanley Cup. So that'll be coming soon. We'll see who's going to stay, who's going to go. What does the Cubs insider think? We will talk to Evan Altman about that. This is Saturday Suckage. Thank you for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.